This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Well, we're in a series called uh, Mixed Emotions, and I want to ask a question on the outset. Are you stressed? Are you feeling overwhelmed in any way? I mean, we got this like this, we got this thing like COVID happening, you know, like this never ending pandemic. And it's just, uh, I was just co- commenting between services to talking to somebody. I said, you know, they asked me, how are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm good. Except that it seems like every moment of the day, I am reminded that we are in a pandemic. And it is the topic. It is the issue. It is everything that is, everything that we're thinking. If we're thinking about our marriage, if you're planning on getting married, if you're thinking about getting married, if you're thinking about going to a restaurant, if you're thinking about uh, going on vacation, every single, we here, you know how hard it is for us to plan, for example, a women's conference in the middle of a pandemic? (laughs) Every single thing you're thinking about, you're filtering it through this never, seemingly never-ending pandemic. And it's created a lot of stress. Um, Schools opening, not opening, hybrid version, online version, full-time version. We don't know. And it seems like it's contributing to the stress. And then, of course, we have, of all things, we have an election (laughs) in, in a month. And, and that's creating, I mean, you just throw that into the mix of, of everything else that's happening. And this is, you know, a, somewhat of a divisive election. And they kind of always are. But this one particularly seems like a divisive election. You throw that in the mix of all of this. And it's even more stress and more anxiety and more people are just feeling more and more overwhelmed. There are people who are working from home. And for some of you, you know, like loners, you like that. You're like, thank God, may this be the new normal for the rest of my life, to work from home. I can just work in my, my shorts and, you know, and never take a shower or whatever. And there's other people like me that I just, you know, I can't, I can't stay that still. I have to be out. I have to be in about. And it's contributing to the stress. Or there's people that, like my wife, who, who she's an essential worker. She's a, she's a nurse. You, you never want to see her when she's working because she's a nurse in the ER, emergency room. And when she goes to work, she has to go to work. I mean, it can be stressful for her because she has to go to work like in a hazmat suit practically. It's not quite. But she has to wear all this gear and she comes home 12, after a 12-hour shift, had to wear this, uh, this heavy face shield and it's heavy. And so she says it presses down on her ears and it just gives her a headache. And so she's all day long with this headache. And it's just contributing to this, the stress and the anxiety of life. And so this thing, if you just, if we took, for example, and then, here's the thing, if you took 2020 out of the picture, like if we weren't even, if we had not gone through a pandemic, if none of this stuff would have happened, it still seems like, it still seems like stress and anxiety is, is an is a, is a epidemic proportions in, in, in our world. Like I was reading that, uh, last year, a statistic saying that 62% of college students say that they feel this sense of, they're just overwhelmed, they're anxious. 62% feel, had this feeling of being overwhelmed. Most, they say statistically, most hospital visits somehow or another are, are anxiety or stress related. 
We spend a trillion dollars a year treating anxiety problems. So this is a reality. This is where we are. And we're going to talk about stress. We're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about how King David actually handled his own anxiety. In this series, we've been um, talking about our emotions. And, and we, we use the, the imagery of emotions like a vehicle. And I have this, this road sign, you know, that it's like if this, once you get into this vehicle, it could take you one way or it could take you another. Like last week we talked about shame. And so the vehicle of shame, the van of shame, we talked about the van of shame. The van of shame could take you to a place of isolation and, and depression and secrecy and hiddenness. Or it could take you to a place of grace, freedom, and forgiveness. It's really a vehicle. It's not the end all, it's, a, it's where it's taking us. And so we're going to talk about anxiety, and the question is not, are you ever going to feel anxious? You are going to feel anxious. You're going to be overwhelmed sometimes. There's going to be stress in your life. You cannot get rid of it. You cannot wish it away. There's no magic formula. There's no such thing as becoming a Christian and then living a stress-free life. That does not exist. But the question is not whether you're going to feel stress or whether you're going to feel anxiety. The question is, where will that anxiety take you? Where are you going? In which direction will you go when you, you feel this anxiety, when you feel this stress? And so I've been using, you know, pictures of my own vehicles to kind of illustrate uh, the different emotions. And last week I talked about the van of shame, and you saw a picture of the van of shame. This week um, I'm going to talk about my very first vehicle. Um, it was a 1973 Buick Electra. Me, you old folks out there remember Buick Electras. In first service, in first service, I said, 1973 Buick Electra, and there was a guy sitting here in the front row, and he goes, yeah. That's exactly what he said. Like, that's that. Now, that's a car, you know. And so my dad, uh, so in, this was a 19, this is not my vehicle. I, I wish it would look like that. Mine didn't quite look like that. Mine was a little bit more beat up. But my, my, my dad gave this to me as a graduation present. It was a 1973 Buick, and I graduated in 82, so it was about nine years old. And, um, and he hands me the keys, and he says, Rick, this is, uh, this is, your, this is your graduation present. Now, I, we've been estranged. I hadn't really talked to my dad in years up to that point, but he felt like he had to do something nice and, and give, us a, a, give me a car. So he says, Rick, this is your car. This is a great vehicle, he said. That's, that's what he said. He goes, but listen, you got to make sure you always keep gas in it because the gas gauge doesn't work. In fact, the, the needle was not even there. It was gone. I don't know where the needle went. It was just gone, you know, altogether. So it was impossible to know how much gas you actually had in the car, you know? And so, and so he says, you just got to make, you know, I didn't, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I don't know. I'm not even thinking about anything. I'm just thinking, I've got a car. Yes. My very first car. I've got a car. I'm going to drive this car, you know? And so I ran out of gas that week. Like, literally, I'm like, what he did not tell me is that that, that car has a 455 cubic inch engine that doesn't just drink gas, it siphons gas. It like sucks it down in there. And it's like you go to the gas station, you start filling it up and, and you're seeing the gas like pour out. It's like leaving your car before you even leave the gas station. That's, that's how much gas this thing drinks, you know? And so my routine, and then the, car, the other problem with that car is that it had a little bit of a, a timing issue. So it was hard to start it in the morning. You start it up and it would just chug, 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 and die. You start up and chug, 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 and die. And it would do that for a little bit until finally it would just keep chugging. 
And then, and then if you sat there, you kind of gave it gas and rev it and rev it, and finally, eventually, it just starts running normal. It's a little bit of a timing issue with it. So my routine in the mornings, I, I, I was going to UTA, University of Texas in Arlington, about 20 miles from where I was living. And my routine was get up in the morning, eat breakfast, and then go down there and try to get this car started. So I get the car started, and then I would, first place I'd go is to this, this uh, 7-Eleven just right around the corner from my house to get gas. Get gas, put about five, six dollars, because it was about a dollar a gallon back then, about five or six dollars of gas in the vehicle, and that should get me to UTA and back, whew, hopefully, you know, and so I'd go to college and class, and then after class, if anybody, if, if I was like sitting next to a student in my French class or whatever class I was taking, and they said, hey, you want to go out to eat afterwards, we're going to go over here, I'm like, sorry, I can't. I don't know how much gas is in my car. <laughs> There's just no way I'm going to be able to drive over there and be assured that I can make it home. And so I wouldn't do it, you know. And so my drive home was this white knuckle grip on this steering wheel, just, go, just hope I can make it, just hope I can make it, just hope I can make it. That was my vehicle of anxiety. I just, my, my 1973 Buick Electra, it was, I was you know, driving, I only had it for three months, actually, because after three months, I'm like, I can't afford this car. Even though it was only like a dollar a gallon, it was just so much gas. I like, I can't afford this. So I traded it in for a 1979 Chevy Monza, which that was a great vehicle. But anyways, there was all this uncertainty, all this apprehension. And I was constantly thinking in terms of what if, or worst case scenarios. What if I, what if I run out of gas just as I'm going over the mix master of 360 and, and I-20, you know, and I get stuck on that ramp, you know, all these crazy scenarios. And so I got rid of it, and that's what anxiety does. There's a lot of what-ifs. There's a lot of worst-case scenarios. There's stuff that's happening, and, and so David is going to be intentional here, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about how he feels anxious and, and how he invited God into his anxiety. And that's really where we're going to go. Now, we're, we, we're doing this out of Psalms. And so the Psalms, just so you know, Psalms are, are not prescriptive in nature. It's like when you read the Psalms, they don't tell, it's not like, it'd be nice if David would say, okay, you're suffering with anxiety, here are the six steps to relieving anxiety. Because then I would write those down and I would put them on my refrigerator and I'd do them every day and I would never have anxiety, right? Well, David doesn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't write that way. He, doesn't, he didn't compose his songs that way. Instead, what David does, he uses a lot of emotion, a lot of experience, and he drives up in his 1973 Buick Electra of anxiety, and he says, hey, why don't you jump in the back seat with me, and let's go for a ride. And so we get a, a firsthand view, you know, up-close view of King David and his own anxiety, all right? In Psalm 55, verse 1, he says, listen to my prayer, O God. So David is praying. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. So you can tell right on the outset of the psalm, he's struggling. And just so you know, God hears you when you're struggling. You might be here right now. You might be struggling. And God hears you when you're struggling. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me for I, and then he expresses his, his, his feelings. I am overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm overwhelmed by my troubles. So David speaks of being overwhelmed by his troubles. And then he's going to identify those troubles. But first what we see is that David is honest about his feelings of being anxious. 
He's honest about it. This must have been hard for David because if you think about David, he had a reputation, right? He was the warrior king. Like there was this, there was this time when, when the children, uh, the, the armies of Israel were, were faced up against the, the Philistines, and there's this champion, the giant of the Philistines, Goliath. And if you know the story, the entire army of, of Saul, the entire army of Saul, they were cowering in fear. They were hiding behind rocks. They were, it, for, our, for our language, they were stressed out. They were overwhelmed with fear. They didn't know what they were going to do next. And teenage, teenager David walks in the scene, and, and he doesn't, he's not stressed out. Everybody else is, but he's not. And he goes straight out to the battlefront. In fact, he, the only time that David had a little bit of stress is when Saul tried to give him his armor. Say, hey, wear this armor. It was just too heavy, too big. He said, I can't use this stuff. And David walks out onto the battlefield, and he says to, to this giant, he says, hey, your head's going to roll today. <laughs> You're dying today. And it's exactly what happened. So this is David. So imagine, he's got this reputation. He's got this, this you know, this, 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 this aura about him that he's just this amazing giant of the faith. And so for him to be vulnerable and say, I am overwhelmed, this must have, meant, this must have been very courageous for him to do that. To say, I am overwhelmed. I'm, I'm, you know, when you're the person who fixes things, oftentimes it's hard for, for you to be the person who says, I need to be fixed. And what we do is we shrink back and we tell ourselves, oh, I can do this, I can make it, you know? But we need to be honest about our anxiety. And that's what David does. Some, some of you really need to hear that. Because you've been taught, stop feeling that way. Just don't feel that way. Have faith. Don't feel that way, just have faith. And yeah, you mask it and you go around and you have a nice face on and you pretend like everything's great. But the anxiety, the noise of the anxiety is just there. It's constant. It doesn't go away. So David, he's honest with God about his anxiety and how he feels. And so I want us to be clear here that there's no weakness in feeling anxious. There's no shame in feeling, in feeling stressed, right? Because there's going to be times in your life where you're going to have giant killing kind of faith. And then there's going to be times in your life where you're going to be overwhelmed and you're going to be stressed. And that's just a fact, it's just real, okay? And when you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, it's not a sign of weakness. It's just simply a time in which you say, God, I'm going to invite you in to this, this feeling that I have, this thing that's going on inside of me, right? So David is honest with God about, about how he's overwhelmed. And when I say overwhelmed, I mean I can't do this anymore. Like I've been doing this, I just can't do this. I've been carrying this weight for so long that I just, I mean, at first as I was carrying, it was, I could, I, I felt like I could, but now it's just gotten heavier and heavier and heavier. I just can't carry this weight anymore. Overwhelmed means I'm gonna say I'm not strong enough, I'm not brave enough, I'm not courageous enough to do this. I just can't do this anymore. All right? And you might be tempted to just Try to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm going to make this happen. But I want, to, I want to challenge you to resist that. And instead, invite God into that feeling of stress and anxiety. Just ask God to rescue you. Amen? So David has a lot of this going on in his life right now. There's things that he cannot control. What we're going to discover is that anxiety and tension and, and stress, those things come oftentimes because... It, it's, it correlates to the things that we cannot control in our life. 
Okay, there's a correlation between my anxiety and my stress, my anxiousness, and the things that I cannot control in my life. There's a direct connection between them. Because what happens is I, I feel powerless. Like I feel, there's a, there, I'm missing the power to change my circumstances. I don't have the power to change my circumstances. But then I'm in a position where I can't escape them. So I feel vulnerable as well. So I'm powerless and vulnerable. I cannot, I cannot seem to overcome this thing. That's where being overwhelmed, that's where stress comes from. And so David's going to talk to us about that about things that he cannot control and how it's producing anxiety and how we need to invite God into that. This past Sunday night, we were, uh, you know, like our football season, we watched football. And, and so uh, this past Sunday after church, you know, we went home and we turned the TV on to different football games. And of course, the Dallas Cowboys are not on any screen on my, in my house. So I had to go onto my computer and find it on my computer as well. So we had a Dallas Cowboys game on my computer. And then we had some other games on the TV going on. We had three grandkids at the house. And they're like running all over the house. And they're making all kinds of noise, you know. It was on all day. And then Sunday night after that dismal failure of the Saints to win against the Green Bay Packers, how many Saints fans here? None. How many Green? No, don't even ask that question. No Green Bay Packers fans. You know, so, so after, that, after the Saints lost to the Packers, you know, TV's on, and it's been on all day long, and all day long there's been kids running through the house, and all day long there's been, you know, all kinds of noise going on that my wife, Christy, she just finally after the game, she goes, she just like was lying next to me, and, you know, and she goes, can you please turn that TV off? I'm sick and tired of the noise. That's how she said it. I mean, when she says that, you just turn the TV off, you know, right? She was struggling with a, she, had con, she was congested and she had a headache and just the noise was just there. It was like this constant static that wasn't shutting off. And maybe that's where some of you are when you think about stress. That's kind of what stress is like. It's just constant. It's always there. It's always, it's always ringing in your ears. And starting to, this stress, this anxiety is beginning to affect your health. It's beginning to affect your relationships. It's just constant. And so David begins by just being honest. And that's really the starting point when it comes to when you feel anxiety in your life, that's the starting. Just be honest with God. Talk to God in honesty. Say, God, this is, this is where I'm at. This is how I feel. This is what's going on. But we see something interesting. David is honest with God, but then there's a shift that occurs. He shifts from generic to specific in his prayer. He's praying to God. He's inviting God into it, but he shifts from generic. He doesn't just say to God, God, I'm just so anxious. I'm so stressed out. Amen. Help me. That's not what he does. He, he speaks specifically about what he's anxious about, right? He, and there's something about it when you, when you start naming it, when you start saying, this is what is my problem right now. This is what's creating anxiety in me. This is what's, what's bringing stress into my home. This is what's, what's challenging me right now. This right here, this, and you name it. It has, a, it has this effect that it begins to turn the volume down of the anxiety and the stress that you're feeling in your life. It doesn't completely take it away. It just starts turning the volume down a little bit. I like how the Apostle Paul talks about this in actually the verse that, uh, that Pastor Chris read in Philippians 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, I don't know what bubble Paul was in <laughs> that you can be anxious about anything, that you cannot be, that you, that you have the ability of not being anxious about anything. Like, uh, like I don't know what, what world he's living in because it seems like there's no escaping 
anxiousness, right? He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, and this is the specificity here. He's not just saying, just blurt out, I'm anxious, God, I'm stressed out, help me. He's saying, in every situation, as you name it, as you talk about it and bring it to God in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, what does he do? He replaces the anxiousness with his presence. This is the next verse, sorry, next part of it, with his peace. That's what he does. He replaces his anxiousness with his peace as we specifically bring it to God. And that's what, what David does here in Psalm 55, verse 3. He says, my enemies shout at me. So he's talking specifically. My enemies shout at me. What are they doing? They're shouting at me. They make loud and wicked threats. They're threatening me. They're, they're calling me names, and they're, and they're calling me out. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. So it's gotten physical now. Not, not just are they threatening me now, they're hunting me down. He goes, my heart pounds. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. So David is like being very specific. God, this is what's happening. I think sometimes we, we, we want to pray to God these spiritual sounding prayers like, Lord, just save all of humanity. <laughs> and, uh, you know, bless everybody. And that's the kind of prayers that we think are spiritual sounding. But I think the most spiritual prayers are honest prayers. When you go before God and say, God, this is exactly where I'm at. This is what's happening. And you just lay it before God. David is uncomfortably honest with God. He prays about his enemies. He prays about how his enemies are affecting him. He prays, he, he prays about what he, God, he wants God to do to his enemies, right? He says these things. Like he, he describes his anxiety, and he speaks about this. He speaks about people in specific. And if I was to ask you, you know, like, to name your stress, to name your anxiousness, you probably would name a person. <laughs> like, like, if you ask Christy, not always, but sometimes you say, yeah, my stress is rich. That's what stresses me out in life. And so let me ask you, what is it about that person that is creating anxiety in you? And typically what it is, is that we cannot control them. We want to control them, right? I mean, if we could just control them, the anxiety would go away. If they would just do what they're supposed to do, I wouldn't feel so anxious. If they would just respond the way they're supposed to respond, I wouldn't feel so anxious. If they would just say the things they should be saying, I, I wouldn't feel anxious. If they would just change the things in their life that they're supposed to change in their life, that anxiety would not come upon me. That's what we feel. If we could just control them. So there's this connection between who we cannot control and the anxiety we feel. And so maybe for some of you that came on early on in life when your parents left you. Like you, you thought you could count on that. You thought that you could count on them. Like, like a parent, I mean a mom or a dad, I mean they're not supposed to leave you. They're supposed to be with you for the rest of your life, right? That's what, you're, that's what you expect. That's what it should be. But then they left you. And you were hurt by that and you begin to feel this, this sensation of anxiety and oh. What do you do with that? Or maybe a friend. You were vulnerable with that friend and you told him secrets. Things that you've never told anybody else. 
right? But now they're texting you. Not, now you're texting them, but they're not texting you back. You make posts on Facebook or Instagram, and you notice that they never even respond to those posts. They don't like them. They don't do anything. They just, you don't even know if they've even seen them. You feel like they've just ghosted you completely. You look on Instagram, you look at their, their page, and you see that they're just having all kinds of fun with all these other friends. And you're feeling left out. You're feeling like, why, why have you left me out? Why have you abandoned me? You really want to control them, but you know you can't control them, so there's this anxiety that starts building inside of you, and it just creates more and more anxiety. <clears throat> Maybe it's that significant other in your life, husband or wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you want them to feel a certain way for you, but they just don't feel that way. You wish they would, and you wish you could do something to make them feel that way, but it's just... And you're just feeling anxious because it's not happening. And so what do we do when we feel this kind of anxiety? What do we do when it's, in, when it's a person that we, that we are in relationship with and we feel this anxious? Well, we try to control them. And so what happens is we try to control them and they, they start pushing back at that control. And so the more they push back, the more anxious we feel. And so then the more anxious we feel, the more we try to control. And then the more we try to control, the, the more they push back. And the more they push back, the more anxious we feel. And the more anxious we feel, the more we try to control. And I mean, it goes on and on. It's this endless cycle. And at the end of the day, we're just sitting in our anxiety. And it's this noise that's just reverberating in our ear. We're just filled with all these what-if questions. What if he never says it? What if she never feels a way that way? What if he cheats? What if he cheats again? What if she doesn't say yes? We can go on and on, right? All these what if questions. Parents, you, you understand this dynamic. We understand this dynamic as a parent because as a parent, you're raising kids. I had four, and you're raising kids, and you want to like, you want to you control them. I mean, you don't say that. You don't really, because that sounds really bad, but you really do want to control. You want to control where they're going, whether you want to control their choices, their friend choices, their, their fashion choices, their food choices. I mean, you can go on and on and on. You want to control them. And you realize that you can't control them. And so it goes on and on, and before long, you find yourself, you see them going down a certain path, and you wonder, will they ever, you know, what if they never come back from that? Or what if they end up marrying the person they're dating and you're just terrified by that? Or what if they leave home and then you ask yourself, what if, what if, they, what if they never come back home? Or worse yet, what if they never leave home, right? That, that's, that's a concern. And anxiety gets built up and built up and built up. So David has these, these same feelings of anxiety. He talks about a friend that betrayed him. Verse 20 says, as for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He broke his promises. His words are as smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. David is describing this betrayal of a friend. And when a friend betrays you, then who can you trust, right? Like, like I said earlier, like if your parents left you, then who can you trust? You kind of build this wall around your heart. You're never going to be that vulnerable again. 
And so in verse six, David talks about how he wants to escape this anxiety. And here's the problem with this. So, so when we start feeling anxious, we start feeling stress, what we want is we want to escape it. We don't want to feel it anymore. We want to escape that stress. But that's what... That's where a lot of us have gotten in trouble because we try to escape the stress. Like we do things we should not do to escape the stress. We medicate. We drink too much. We, 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 we get into a relationship we should never get into because we're trying to escape the stress. And this is how David describes Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness, how quickly I would escape far from this wild storm of hatred. I like how the message version paraphrases this. It says, kind of David gets a little bit like a, he, like a country and western here. He says, get me out of here on dove wings. I want some peace and quiet. I want a walk in the country. <laughs> I want a cabin in the woods. Sounds like a country song to me, actually, when I, when I read that. I'm desperate for a change from rage and stormy, like, and stormy weather. He's trying to escape. But then starting in verse 16, what we see is that David is honest with God about his feelings. And in being honest with God about his feelings, he's inviting God into his feelings. And this is really the whole premise of this series, is recognizing what you're experiencing, the emotions you're going through, and then inviting God into those emotions, as opposed to reacting to those emotions, or as David, as opposed to escaping them, trying to escape them by some medication or something. Instead, invite God into your emotions. So he does that. He invites God into this vehicle of stress. Now his anxiety, instead of moving him, as he's inviting God, instead of moving him towards hopelessness and despair, it starts moving him towards a towards peace and a greater dependence on God. Look what it says in verse 16. But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. So he's saying, God, I'm so stressed out, all this, all this happened, but I'm going to call on you, God. I'm inviting you into it, okay? I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. This is another aspect of prayer that I think is important for us. You see, David kind of gives a little bit of a prescription here. It's not, a, like, not, it's not prescriptive, prescriptive, but it's a little bit one of one. He says he brings this to God morning, noon, and night. Like he starts his day that way, and he ends his day that way. And I think that we kind of do the opposite, actually. I think what we do is we wake up in the morning, and we pull out our The first thing we do is grab our cell phone, right? And we grab our cell phone. And we look, look at our cell phone because there's been a lot of bad stuff that's happened in the world while we were sleeping. We need to find out about it. So we catch up on the news. And we're like, man, that's, that's, that's sad. And then after we've caught up on all the bad news around the world, then we open up our calendar. Okay, so I'm not talking just to you. I'm talking to myself, okay? So just so you know. I open up my calendar and I realize, man, there's like 20 things I didn't get accomplished yesterday that I have to try to figure out how to do today. Plus, I have to do the other 20 things that I'm supposed to do today. And so within the first hour of waking up in the morning, I have just turned up the volume of stress in my life. I mean, I've just amplified it. I'm just like, it's buzzing in my ear. Just all I can think about is this stress that's going on inside of me, right? And then we do the same thing at night. We go home at night, and instead of, Bring it all to God, we get on Facebook and we start scrolling through Facebook and we start realizing that everybody else's life is so full of love and peace and excitement and I, my life just stinks. 
Every other parent is doing it brilliantly, and I just have no way of, I, I don't even know how to, how to raise kids as I look on Facebook and I see all the, all the pictures, right? So what David does is instead of turning up the volume on anxiety, on verse 18, what he does, he shifts from talking to God about his anxiety to talking to his anxiety about who God is. And that's really, this is critical, guys. This is really where we, and we need to hear this because here's what happens. Oftentimes, when you are under stress, when you're overwhelmed, you go to God in prayer. And you know what? Sometimes it's very honest prayers. God, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed. And you might even name it. You might even talk about what those things are and present those to God. And then, you ever done this before? You do all of that and then you finish praying and you walk out of prayer more stressed than you were when you walked into prayer. And the reason why is all I did was talk to God about my anxiety. But I didn't talk to my anxiety about who God is. And David does that actually in verse 18. Listen to what he says. He says, he rams, he rams, talking about God, he ransoms me. He keeps me safe from the battle waged against me. Though many still oppose me, God, who has ruled forever, God, you are sovereign. You've ruled forever, God. You are all powerful. This is essentially what David's saying. Will hear me and humble them. You see, there's this noise that is constant in the world that we live in. It will never full, we'll never fully get rid of it. We'll never be able to get rid of the noise that's constantly blaring. In fact, the noise is beginning to overwhelm you. Maybe it's about your kids in the morning and you're, you're just trying to get your kids ready for school and it just seems like it's such a chaotic thing getting your kids ready for school or you look in your checkbook and there's always just not enough money in your checkbook. Or it's your relationship with your spouse and it seems like it's just not going the way it should go or, 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 or you're just so disappointed with yourself. You're disappointed with your career choice. You're disappointed with your... And it's this noise. It's just constantly ringing in our ears. But then David shifts and he begins to worship God. He begins to talk to God about, he talks to God about his anxiety, but he begins to talk to his anxiety about who God is, and suddenly the peace of God begins to flow into that. And if you notice, you can still hear some of the chaos in the background, but the peace of God now is beginning to be more real and more present. And suddenly you begin to experience God in a different way. And yes, does that mean that that chaos is gone? No, it's still there. But you're aware of God's presence. You're aware of the peace that he gives. And you can live in those moments of his presence and his peace. And that's exactly what God wants to do. He makes this shift. He makes a shift from talking to God about his anxiety to talking to his anxiety about who God is, about how great God is and how powerful God is to actually change the circumstances in his life. And that's really what I hope for each and every one of us here is that we can learn to make that shift and to declare to the things that, we, that are just overcoming us, to declare to those things that we have a God who is greater and more powerful I love how he ends here in verse 22. He says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He doesn't say that he'll take care of all your complications. He doesn't say that if you give your burdens, then God's gonna make your burdens disappear. That's not what he does. He says, give your burdens to the Lord. In other words, go to him in prayer and say, God, this is the stuff that's 
stressing me out. These are the things that are overwhelming me. These are the things I feel weighted down by. And God promises that he will take care of you. He will take care of you. In the midst of the chaos, when Paul says, cast all your cares, all your anxiety upon him, you know, when Paul says, you know, don't be anxious about anything, when he says that, Paul's not saying that there's a magic place that you could be at where you'll never feel anxiety, that you'll never be stressed. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't be anxious about those things that will stress you out, but instead, in prayer, go to, go to God. Present it to God, and then the anx- anxiousness that you feel, which anxiousness is simply a response to the circumstances of your life, that anxiousness that you feel gets replaced with peace that surpasses all understanding. But this is a shift in our mind. There's too many of us, even maybe some of you here right now, that you walk around almost like a time bomb. That people say, as you walk through the doors, people say, hey, how are you doing? You're like, fine. But you have this ringing sound in your ear constantly telling you your finances are in the pits. Your, 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 your marriage is falling apart. Your kids hate you. All this stuff is running through your head. You are totally overwhelmed. And God just wants to speak to you and he wants to bring peace into your life. So what we're going to do, as Pastor Josh is up here, as a way to, to end this service, what I'm asking you to do is to replace, to, 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 as you talk to God about your anxiety, to, to then shift, to talk to your anxiety about who God is. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to start worshiping. And then we're going to all stand right now. And we're going to worship. And this is what I encourage you to do, <clears throat> is to worship God. To begin to tell your anxiety about who is God. So if you feel overwhelmed because of your financial situation, know that he provides exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever think or ask. You're, if you're overwhelmed because you have some physical ailment, know that, the, that our God is a healer and he can set you free miraculously. He can do it instantly. He doesn't, he doesn't need a lot of time or he can use physicians to help. But whatever the case is, God is a healing God. Talk to God about who he is as you give your anxiety over to him. Amen? Let's worship. I put my faith in Jesus I anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus my anchor to the ground my hope and firm foundation he'll never let me down i put my faith in jesus my anchor to the ground my hope and firm foundation he'll never He'll never let me down. Great is, great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me.
exactly our prayer. God, we know that you are faithful. We know that you are true. We know, Father, that in the midst of our stress, our anxiety, our feelings of being overwhelmed, God, that you never fail us. Help us, Father, to somehow fixate our eyes, not so much on the stress and the anxiety, but to fixate our eyes on who you are, that you are faithful, that you are true, that you are righteous, that, God, you have you are a good father. We are your children and you are a good father. And too many of us, Father, have lost sight of that. Too many of us think that we are being punished by you, but God, we know that you are a good father and you love us. So right now, Father, we surrender that, surrender all of that to you. We lay at this altar right now, Father, and we lay everything at this altar. We know that that noise will not totally go away. We know it'll be in the background. We, we only know that we can lower the volume on that noise as we give ourselves completely over to you and trust that you are, are in control, that you are the one who's going to bring peace. You're the one who's going to bring the tranquility that we need, Father. So we worship you, Jesus, right now. We invite you into our life, in every aspect of our life. We resist the temptation to try to control people around us, to control all of the situations around us. We know that there are situations that we can control, but Father, sometimes we are overwhelmed because we're trying to control everything. And Father, we resist that. We resist that. And we surrender ourselves to you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for being a good Father. Thank you for that peace that surpasses all understanding. That even though there's noise all around us, we hear your voice clearly and we feel your presence in Jesus' name. <laughs> 